0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Well, good morning. It is so good to be back with you today. How many of you have looked forward to this day all week? I didn't see everybody's hand raised. I hope you have. It's always good to be together, and, and in times like this, being able to come together and remind ourselves what our life is really supposed to be about and what our focus really should be. Listen, I know as well as you know that it is easy to get sucked into things that don't really matter right now, isn't it? Easy get on social media and get kind of sucked into all the social things that are going on. Excuse me all the social things that are going on and all the different you know virus things that are going on've I've seen a couple of articles this week regarding masks and one headline was this Let me tell you why Paul would have worn a mask and then a few days later I saw another one that said let me tell you why Jesus wouldn't have worn a mask and I thought come on people listen as Christians let's, let's just be real about it as Christians, our greatest fear, in many ways, should be being concerned about things that really don't matter. And I'm not saying that our safety and stuff doesn't matter, but, you know, if we're going to talk about what Paul would do or wouldn't do or what Jesus would do or wouldn't do, let's make sure to keep it scriptural, right? Let's make it about what it needs to be about as children of God. And let's not be concerned about things that really don't matter because we've got a lot of things that we can be concerned about that do matter. And so I want you to just kind of let that kind of uh, follow you this week. That's not really what we're going to talk about today, but it is something that I think we need to be aware of and be mindful of as we go through this uh, different time in our life. It has been a a, a great week uh, for 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 me and my family. You know, it's it's been good to. Uh, for for a variety of different reasons, I've been very blessed to, to get to spend a lot of time this week with the Burleson family, and that has been such a blessing for me, and and Blair. And you know, it is just God's family. That song has been through my mind a lot this week as I've spent time with them. And that phrase, "Sometimes we laugh together, and sometimes we cry," and and that has just kind of been the week that that family has had and, and that we've journeyed with them. And I want you to know that as, as blessed as I have been to, to be with them, I look forward to having so many more of those moments with all of you. It seems like our, our fellowship with each other has been drastically reduced. And, and I look forward to, as we continue to move in a positive direction, having more times together as a church family to laugh together and to cry. Because that's what brings us closer together. Uh, last night, um, Dylan and Sydney got married and they, uh, I guess they're on their honeymoon now. They're on their honeymoon, but, uh, she sent out text messages thanking everybody this morning, which I really appreciated. And, um, but it was just a great, a great end of the week. And, you know, it was so much more encouraging than coming here because I came here this morning and David Albright calls me a liar. I, um, he, uh, he asked me if, uh, um, Haley was going to be here this morning I said oh no he's out of town sure enough Haley walks in the door it's like being lied to by the preacher so you know it's great to be here with everybody and be built up this morning hey open your Bibles to John chapter 5 John chapter 5 anybody enjoy fishing anybody enjoy fishing I, I had a period in my life where I fished a lot with a friend in Florence named Jared Hovater and Uh, When I was working in Florence, I started fishing with Jared. I started fishing with Justin and and a couple of other guys. And as we got further along into this fishing hobby, they all looked at me and they're like, Matthew, we realized something. I said, what do you realize? They're like, you're the only one of us that don't have a boat. You need to buy a boat. I said, I don't need to buy a boat. They go, why? I said, because you all have boats. I fished four days a week in a different boat and didn't have to take care of any of it, you know. So fishing is something that that I got into for a little while. Once I left Florence, I never really got back into it. But one of the biggest and maybe most uh, popular phrases of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry is, I'm going to make you what of men? Fishermen of men. Now, you've seen the signs that say, you know, we've quit being fishermen and become keepers of the tank. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. That if we're not careful, we get out of the mode of actually going out and fishing for people and putting forth effort. But this morning, I want us to look at John, or rather Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, in a passage where Jesus is calling his first disciples and talk about a few things that it kind of means for us as well. So go there with me. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, The people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge. He saw on the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his uh, companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then they said to then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. What a great story, a familiar story for many of us. But what's some things that we can take from it this morning that will hopefully enhance our life a little bit? Well, the first thing that I want you to think about with me is that it is important to obey Jesus. It's important to obey Jesus. Do I have anybody here this morning that would be willing to say that's not true? I believe for most of us, we're all going to agree that it's important to obey Jesus. But with that statement and with that understanding that I think we all kind of feel that way, What happens a lot of times in our faith and in our walk is it's important to follow Jesus when it's convenient. It's important to follow Jesus when it's easy. It's important to follow Jesus when it makes sense. We like to add those taglines onto things. We like to, to to condition statements because if we condition statements, then when I get in a certain situation where where I want to do what I want to do, I can say, okay, okay, I've been following Jesus, and I'm still following Jesus, but I'm kind of going to go do my thing over here a little bit by myself. We condition those statements to make us feel better about our own sin and about our own shortcomings. But the truth is, the most important statement of your life is that it is important to obey Jesus. Now, can I make you obey Jesus? Can anybody make you obey Jesus? Is Jesus going to make you obey him? He could, but he's not. Like we've said before, and you've heard me say it several times now, this Christianity thing that we're all living, it's completely voluntary. None of us were drafted into it. None of us were forced into it. We voluntarily decide to say Jesus is the most important thing in my life. And when you make that decision, then all of the ifs, all of the conditions go away. I I like, I like verse four and five. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, the next words from from Peter are, are interesting because. Peter is that guy that we know that really just loves to open his mouth and just kind of say what just the, his gut instinct just comes out. And a lot of times it's good. Sometimes it's like, ah, maybe you should have said that. And so he starts, he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't called anything. Let's just stop right there for a second. That sounds to me like the attitude of a young child. If you just kind of, how many times have you told your children to do something and they come back with, but dad, we have, and fill in the blank. You know, they've got this excuse for, for what they have or haven't done. I love excuses when we, uh, when we tell your, our kids, hey, go clean your room. How many of you have heard really good excuses about reasons your children haven't cleaned their rooms? (coughs) There, there's, there's, uh, They're not good excuses. They're just excuses, right? And as you kind of begin to read this section, you almost feel like he's fixing to make an excuse. And in part, I think that's what his heart wanted to do. Because Jesus is, hey, let's go back out here and let's fish a little bit more. And he goes, but Jesus, I'm tired. We've worked all night. We've already got all of our fishing nets and all of our gear. We've got it scrubbed down. We've got it packed up. We're ready to be done. We're ready to go home. We've we've done enough. We've done enough. Sometimes we're, we're guilty of that. We're guilty of that. We've done enough mentality. Listen, if you're truly sold out to Christ, if you truly believe that it is important to obey Jesus, then you're never going to do what? Enough. You're never going to do enough. You're never going to be finished. You're never going to have completed the mission. There's always another disciple to make. There's always another class to teach. There's always another person to reach out to. And Peter got that because the next phrase, it wasn't just a, a, an excuse. He, he kind of lets him know how he feels, okay? He, he, he's like, okay, I feel this way about it. He goes, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because even at this point, before he really truly realized completely who Jesus was, he said, obeying you is the most important. So obeying Jesus is the most important thing. The second thing is this from our story. We meet God when we come to the end of our own resources. We meet God when we come to the end of our own resources. So he let Jesus know what have they done all night long? They had worked all night long. They had done everything that they could do all night long to to, to catch these fish and they had caught nothing. They had caught nothing. Now, (coughs) there's a part of me that wonders in the same way that Jesus worked the miracle of allowing them to catch fish in that moment. Did God have a hand in keeping them from catching fish all night long? I wonder that. We don't read that anywhere. We don't see that. But you know, had God set this moment up for Jesus? And, and I believe that you could say, yeah, there's, there's a possibility of that. But what we do know is they had worked all night long and had accomplished absolutely nothing. Have accomplished absolutely nothing. Brian has uh, been over at the house with us from time to time since we moved in, helping us with some projects and some things that we're working on. And the joke has become, and, and, and it's not true because uh, Brian has done a lot of things that I couldn't do without, you know, like burning my house down. And the joke has kind of been that Brian does a lot of work and just makes a big mess. He doesn't get anything accomplished. And that's kind of what it looks like when you start a project, isn't it, Brian? You make a big mess and it's kind of like not till the last few minutes of the project that it seems like it all comes together. How many of you have had those moments where you've done a lot of work, but you've got, we got one back there. Jamie's like, yeah, that's me right there. You do a lot of work, but you don't feel like you accomplish anything. You put a lot of effort in and you don't feel like you accomplish anything. And that's that's how these guys felt. They had put a lot of effort into the night. This was their livelihood. This wasn't just, oh, well, we, you know, we fished all night just for fun. You know, they fished all night and they caught no fishes. You know, we, we kind of play that off as, you know, oh, well, you know, we'll better luck tomorrow, guys. This was their livelihood. They came home empty handed without any ability to provide for their family that day. How do you think that felt? Do you think they felt defeated? Do you think they felt maybe a little helpless? And, and maybe you can hear a little more frustration in Peter's voice where he says, Hey, Jesus, look, we've been out here all night. <laughs> we've come back empty handed. Almost like there's that part of his voice saying, Hey, I'm going to go back out there because you want me to. But it's not going to be worth the time. But you see, it's not until we get to those points in our spiritual life, that moment when we realize that by myself, I accomplish nothing on my own. I am nothing but a failure. It is not until that point that we are able to truly tap in to the awesomeness of God. It was not until these guys completely failed at their job and completely just came back empty handed. It wasn't until that point. That's when they figured out how awesome Jesus was. Because you see, when we think we can still do some things on our own, we're still going to rely on our own strength. When we think that we can still do some things on our own, we're still going to talk about the things that we can do other than the things that God can do. Paul finally got to a point in his life, what did he say? He goes, I'm not going to boast in, in my stuff anymore. I'm not going to boast in the things that I'm able to do. He goes, from now on, I'm going to boast in my what? In my weakness. Because it is in my weakness that God is truly glorified. Listen, if Jesus is the most important thing to you, then you have to figure out how to completely empty yourself of all your pride, all of the things that, 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 that you think make you good. You have to empty yourself of those things and fill yourself with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to be that thing that, that brings you um that brings you fulfillment in your life we have to let it be about god now here's the last thing today if i can find it if we're gonna fish we have to put our nets where the fish are got a fish we have to put our nets where the fish are how, how much of that sounds real obvious That's one of those real obvious preacher phrases, right? If you're going to catch fish, you got to put your nets where the fish are. Have any of you fished and realized all day long you've not put your hook anywhere where the fish are? There's all these fish, and you've picked the one place where none of them exist. That's usually how my fishing days went. That's usually how my fishing days went. and Especially when I would go with Jared. Jared was a great fisherman. I was just there because his his fiancée, baptized and she's like I want you to stay. I'm like
0: okay like,
1: what does he like to do she's like he loves to fish I'm like okay well we're going to go start fishing together and it was through that time together that we ended up having the conversations that we needed to have to get him to become a child of God but my phrase at the end of the day when we would go back to his house and Michelle would come out and she said well how did it go or whatever I would always say well between the two of us we caught eight fish Now, he might have caught six, and I might have caught two. But between the two of us, we caught eight. And it really aggravated Jared. But there was one day that I outfished him. And when we got home, you know what he said? Between the two of us, we caught 15. And I'm like, that's not fair. That's my line. But you see, if we're going to be effective as children of God, if we're going to be effective as children of God, and we're going to be disciples, and we're going to make other people disciples, you know what we have to do? We have to go to where the fish are. There is a website called outreach.com. I think that's outreachmagazine.com. And there is, there was a story that I read on that website. It was years ago. We were in Hoxie. So it's been seven or eight years ago now. And we were having this Monday night Bible study. And we were thinking about Outreach ideas because we'd come to the the realization that, hey, we're doing a great job of feeding ourselves, but we're really not fishing for anybody. And we were trying to come up with ideas of how to reach out in our community and different things. And so I'm reading this article and this article was about this church's bar ministry. Let that sink in for a second. A church's bar ministry. And there was this church and they had a... um, Across the street from where their building was in the city was a bar. And three or four of the guys decided one night that they were going to go into the bar, they were going to sit in a booth, and they were just going to open their Bibles and start studying together. And just see what happened. Just see if anybody talked to them. And of course, as you can imagine, there was a lot of poking and a lot of guys making fun of them. But within a couple of weeks, Guess what some guys in that bar started doing? They started sitting down and talking to them. They started having conversations with them. And before you knew it, they started baptizing men from this bar. And then on Monday nights, instead of going in there and drinking, you know what these new disciples were doing? They were going in there, sitting down, opening up their Bibles, and having Bible studies. How many of you are fans of the Duck Dynasty stuff? The Duck Commander, Phil Roberts. You know where Phil was converted? In a bar. The preacher down there in Monroe had made up his mind. We're going to convert this guy. And Kay said, look, if you're going to sit down and talk to him, you're going to have to go to the bar and talk to him. So you know what he did? He went into the bar and he started studying with Phil Robertson. Now, when you meet Phil, he's got two questions for you. Have you been baptized and do you duck hunt? And either way, he's going to get you in the water. What are we doing as a church to go to where the fish are? You know, it's really been on my mind a lot here lately that question, because considering the environment that we're in, it's real easy to think that right now the only thing we can do is 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 go to church, and that's even going to be different because we've got to wear masks and we got caution tape everywhere and it's just not the perfect time it's not just a good time to reach out to people and 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 bring a lot of people in and and, you know there's a a lot of excuses right now for us as a church to not do the things that God wants us to do but my question to you this morning is are we going to keep making excuses or are we going to put those excuses behind us and say it doesn't matter where the fish are that's where we're going That's what we're going to be about. Because you see, if Jesus is the most important thing to you, then what Jesus says, the most important thing that can ever be said to you, and he says your job as a child of God is to go and make what? Disciples. And if you're not doing that, you know what you're telling Jesus? I say that you're the most important, but my actions are in a different direction. I say that your words are the most important, but I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm not comfortable with that. I don't know the right things to say. I don't know how to have those conversations. Listen, it's time for us to be serious as a church and start making disciples. And most of the time in these moments, when people's lives are upside down and uncertain, that's when they're the most receptive to talk about Jesus So as you go throughout your week, look for fish. Look to where you can cast your net. Look where you can set that hook in a conversation with somebody and talk to them about your savior. Let them know, if nothing else, why he is so important with you. You don't have to have a bunch of Bible verses to tell him to tell someone why Jesus is important to you. I can tell you why Jesus is important to me and never show you a Bible verse because I can tell you moments in my life when I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the one that made those moments possible. Jesus is the one that made that healing happen. Jesus is the one that gave me the courage to overcome that sin in my life. Jesus is the reason. That I'm married and have a wonderful wife. Jesus is the reason that I have four wonderful kids who never clean their rooms. And come up with all kinds of excuses. You don't have to have all the Bible answers. You just have to tell them about Jesus, and why he's important to you. Is it? I hope he is, and I hope because of that, that you'll find it in your heart to truly become a fisher of man. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you so much for the time that we've gotten to be together today. I thank you so much for the opportunity to just worship you, to sing praises, to enter into your throne room in a powerful way today. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And I pray that your spirit will be within us today as we contemplate the things that we've taught from your word. And I pray that it convicts us To become truly fishermen of men, to truly fish with Jesus. Help us to let everybody know how important you really are to us. Help us to remember maybe how important you are and and remind us of how important you should be. And if, if we're not, if you're not where, if you're not the most important, show us how to make that change. Show us how to become that sold out to you again. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice that gives us the great hope of eternal life and the power of the resurrection. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If there's anything you need this morning, come as we stand, and as we sing together.
0: If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube. Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m., With Bible classes on Sunday mornings at nine thirty and Wednesday evenings at six thirty. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember we are a church of Christ caring for its